All right. Well, I'm not sure about you, but I had a pretty good this week, pretty good week this week. And it, honestly, as I look back on it, it could have gone bad at a couple points, really bad, if a few people had dropped the ball in some situations I was in. And so um, as I look back on the week, I walked into different places and situations this week, and I had an underlying assumption about the people I was coming in contact with, and that's that they would be diligent in their jobs. And so on Monday, went to Jimmy John's and picked up lunch because it's fast and it's always ready on time. And uh, I picked up, and the, the, there's a new sandwich called the All-American Beefy Crunch. <laughs> we'll, we'll get back to that in a minute. Uh, and I picked up that for myself, and I was heading to a mentor meeting for the young man I was meeting with. I picked up a billy club. And, uh, and I expected that the workers at Jimmy John's were going to be diligent in their job. And what I mean by that is I expected that the night before when they closed that they would actually close the fridge and the meat that I was about to eat the next day wouldn't spoil. I expected that when they started seeing some lettuce turn brown, they'd toss it. I expected some diligence in the bathroom, right? That whatever, after they went to the bathroom, that they would be diligent to wash their hands so whatever was in the bathroom wouldn't make it in my sandwich. And, and the reality is, if they hadn't been diligent on any one of those things, it could have been a pretty rough, rough few days for myself and the young man I was meeting with, right? But they were diligent. It was a great meal. And a matter of fact, that diligent goes up the chain of Jimmy John's, whoever made the new sandwich, it's legit. So I would encourage you to, to check it out. Uh, the, the flavor combinations are pretty powerful. Um, but another thing that happened in the week that was pretty significant, on Wednesday, I had to go to the dentist for both a root canal and a crown back-to-back. So a lot, of, a lot of size of oh, disgust in the, in the room. But the reality is, is that if I want to eat pain-free, that was going to have to happen. And again, if I walked into that dentist office and there wasn't some diligence in that office, it could have been a really rough, not just a couple weeks, but probably longer than that, right? So I expected that maybe the dentist would have been diligent in dental school and his training and didn't uh, cheat on his boards to get his certification. Uh, I expected some diligence that he didn't stay out the night before and party so that he came in with a hangover when he put his hands in my mouth, Right? But also expected just the office generally to be diligent in that the tools that they were going to put in my mouth, they actually cleaned them before they put them in there and didn't just take them from the next guy over uh, and bring them over to me. And if they lacked diligence in any of those areas, it could have been a pretty bad result. But they didn't, and I'm pain-free. And, and, and really what I'm trying to get across here, the diligence of just the simple work at Jimmy John's and a bit more complicated work at the dentist office really led me to have a pretty good week this week between those two things happening. But it doesn't always happen this way. And um, many of you are familiar, probably because you got a recall notice, but uh, from about 2001 to 2014, a little later, uh, several manufacturers of cars sent out recalls for airbag inflators. I mean, I think it's upwards of upper 50, close to 60 million cars that have been recalled because of these airbags. And what was happening is these, the, the airbag inflators, the things that actually made the airbags go open, was they would burst and send metal shrapnel flying into the car. So you can imagine uh, a device designed to save lives has, has been a little different and has caused some problems, and hence the massive recall, right? So there's been, at least in the U.S., at least 16 deaths and 200-plus injuries alone. And uh, a couple of stories, one goes where and in one particular instance, the, when the airbag came out, the inflator burst, and it sent metal shrapnel flying in, their, in the person's face, and a one-inch piece went through their eye, and obviously they lost their eye. But over 100 stitches they had to have from that situation. 
And there were several of the deaths were along this lines is that when that metal, after minor incidents, car incidents, car accidents, and the airbag inflated, the metal shrapnel just went all across their neck area. And so uh, whatever happened in the accident was not the cause of death. It was because of that rupture. And so uh, all along, they've been working. The National Transportation uh, has been working on trying to find out the cause, and they've outlined a couple things in the manufacturing process. But as I was thinking about that, and even light of my week, that at some point down the line, someone or many people, an engineer, assembly worker, quality control person, it goes on up to even managers and, and the people all the way to the top, they lack diligence in at least one area, and it has cost untold amounts of damage to people, right? I mean, you, if you just trace just not just the amount of cars, but the amount of injuries and the amount of money to the relationships, to the collateral damage through a few acts of lack of diligence in a manufacturing facility. Wow. It's crazy. And each of these things, each of these examples speak to to what the Proverbs has to say about how we work and why it matters. And so the focus this morning isn't going to be about what your vocation should be. It's not going to be necessarily about a theology of work, although we'll speak to a little bit of that. Instead, the Proverbs, in its beauty, takes us to the ground level of what it looks like no matter how old you are or what job you have or where you're working and speaks to what it ought to look like on the ground if we want to flourish. That's where the Proverbs takes us. And so our big picture summary today and what I hope for us to see from the scriptures that will be on the screen for you here is that in God's world, intentional and skilled hard work leads to the flourishing of humanity. And in God's world, intentional and skilled hard work leads to the flourishing of humanity. And before we dive into these Proverbs that Keith read for us, we need to uh, recap kind of, we've been working through Proverbs and, and we need to read them rightly. And so I want to highlight just a couple of things that we've seen from Proverbs that you'll be reminded on the screen. And one of them is that what Proverbs lays out for is a pathway of flourishing that's centered on our King and Father. And so our God cares about us. He loves us. He wants us to flourish in this world. And so he outlines a pathway for us in the Proverbs that touches so many areas of life. And so what that means for us is when we hear what God has to say on work today, what I want us to, the lens I want us to have is, God, you care about us. You really want us to flourish in this world. And you would receive it in that way, whatever he has to say. The other aspect that we, we've laid out is that wisdom is a pathway that sets up a collision between our understanding and his. So... When you and I enter, in to enter into the book of Proverbs, we ought to expect to be challenged. We ought to expect to be a way we view some things or a way our culture views some things to collide with the way God sees it. And this sets up the third thing, the third part of the framework for us is that this is a pathway that calls us to be teachable to him and others. So we really want to walk away today, not first saying, oh man, I wish so-and-so in our culture you know, read the Proverbs. No, first and foremost, it would be God. What, where am I not in line with this pathway that you've laid out? God, I want to be teachable to what you have to say about work. I want to work through how this applies in my life, in the different areas of my life, and that we would come teachable to what he wants to do. So let's pray. Father, I thank you that you love us enough to give us a real practical and deep book in the Bible called Proverbs. And I thank you that as each of us come in today, uh, what you speak about in the Proverbs is relevant to every one of us. 
And Father, we need you. God, you know how we're coming in. You know what we need to hear. You know where we need to be refreshed with your vision of work. But we also know where, how we need to be refreshed with our vision of who you are and how you care about us. And so, God, would you meet us here? Would you do something that we have no power to do, which is to make your word come alive in our hearts? We need you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So let's begin here with the kind of work that leads to flourishing. So we're going to recap a few passages here, work through some definitions. And so we're going to look first at Proverbs 13.4 and work our way down through a few that you'll see on the screen. But Proverbs 13.4, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. And on in 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. And then 22.29, do you see a skilled man in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. In Proverbs 14, 23, and all toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. So if, you, uh, if you're joining with us in our Proverbs study or have read the book of Proverbs, that word diligent, that comes up a lot. It comes up frequent, frequently. The Hebrew the word diligent in the English word is used in other parts of the Old Testament, but in the Hebrew word, which is translated diligent in Proverbs, is only used in Proverbs. And it literally means sharp. Now, we use sharp, I think, differently than probably use sharp, and so it's not a, not a too helpful of a definition. But folks a, lot, a whole lot more schooled in Hebrew than I have chosen the word diligent because of some of the things that diligent means, like having showing or showing care and conscientious, conscientiousness and work, one's work and duties. And so that gives us some insight. Just what we know about diligence gives us some insight into what the Proverbs mean about how we're supposed to work. But the way wisdom literature works is that it sets up comparisons for us. And those comparisons... And the ones we see inside Proverbs actually are very helpful to defining for us what God wants us to see. And so what I want us to do is I want us to look at these comparisons to get a full picture of the kind of work that God is calling us to do in Proverbs. And so we're going to lay out three comparisons. The first one will come up on your screen here. It's a comparison between impulsive and intentional in our work, being impulsive and intentional. And it's helpful to think about if you were the, one of the original readers of this, what would be the primary vocation of people around you? Well, it was agriculture, right? Farming. A very seasonal job. That takes a lot of forethought on when you do certain things at certain times, right? And if you get behind and you're not planned ahead, it's not going to go for, very well for you in six months when it sometimes to harvest, right? And so we start seeing here that this tension is that we can be impulsive in our work, or intentional, that we can, an impulsive is where you act on whatever feels most important to you or to the moment, just at that moment, right? But it not necessarily is. But being intentional is where you act on purpose with a goal in mind. And when you think about our, our lives, we live in tension of this impulsivity and intentionality each and every day. And sometimes it's good to act on impulse because those impulses are good and we need to respond to them in our work. But there's other times that when we're impulsive in our work, it leads us to procrastinate the very things that are most important. Or not being an intention in our work can really lead uh, to neglect some really important things, which is another way to think about procrastination. Let me give you an example. So many of you know Jennifer Pearson, and she doesn't know I'm going to talk about her today, but um, she's a principal at elementary school in town. And, uh, and so all day long, she's got to run around and put out a lot of fires. Whatever looks like it's going well on the surface in every workplace, especially in schools, there's lots of fires underneath. And part of her job is to go around and put up those fires. But if she only acted on that impulse all the time, 
then it would be a pretty difficult school to work at. If she only acted on the impulse but wasn't intentional to seek out to develop the teachers and educators that are under her care in that building, then both her job satisfaction is probably going to struggle, but then also the quality of education will as well. For the people of her school to flourish, it demands intentionality in the work there, not just impulsivity, right? And what we're seeing here in Proverbs is that work that leads to flourishing will have at its foundation an intentionality to it. And I give an example for you to start thinking about your life, no matter if you're a student, if you're a worker, if you're retired, in the, whatever you place that you find yourself busy, you will feel that tension. And at the foundation of the work in Proverbs, a work that leads to flourishing, there's an intentionality to it. That's one comparison we see. Another comparison we see is careless versus being skilled in our work. You don't want to hire a worker. You don't want to hire, you don't want to hire a business to do things for you that are careless in their job, right? But it happens because carelessness is easy. And it's what we're prone to. And what we see here, particularly in Proverbs 22, 29, is that skill and craftsmanship, it doesn't happen overnight, but it is powerful. And you think again, in the ancient Near East, delayed gratification was important to their vocations. Fruit was experienced at a later moment. There was no immediate payoff in most things they ever did. The harvest would come, but it would take time. In reality, I mean, if any of you have tried to do just a basic farming at your home in a raised bed, you realize how quickly there's a skill to those jobs, right? A skill to that work that has to be honed over a long time. Long time. Whenever we have problems, we walk down to the Wittigs, and Colleen is sure to hone and craft our skills for us. And she didn't get that by watching a YouTube video, right? But there is something about skill and craftsmanship that is labored at over a long period of time, and when it does, it leads to flourishing. Many of you know Bruce Petrie, right? Well, he's a family court judge in our county, and he is a craftsman at his job. He wouldn't tell you that, but anybody who works with him would tell you that. And he works for the flourishing in situations that are really, really, really difficult. But he's developed a skill at discernment and asking questions and be able to see sides of stories and be able to get underneath the details to understand the intentions of people in those settings that you just can't just throw anybody on there and do it. It's a patience. It's a discernment. It's a learning of people and how they function and work that has been honed over time that is critical to the flourishing of the people that walk in this courtroom. And if you've ever been in a bad courtroom, you know what it looks like when there's no craftsmanship. But these things are important to work. And what we see in the Proverbs then is that work that's going to lead to flourishing does have at its foundation a person, no matter what they're doing, continuously developing and honing a skill set and getting better at the very thing that God gifted them to do. That's what we see here championed in the Proverbs in a comparison, the second comparison. In the third one, we see this in, in Proverbs that, again, helps us to understand the type of work that God wants us to do is a comparison of mere talk versus strenuous effort in our work, and we get this out of Proverbs 14. You know, it's easy to mistake talk for action. And actually the word... Uh, used in the Hebrew in Proverbs 14, 23, when it talks about work, is a strenuous and painful toil. That kind of work leads to profit. And in their time, most of their vocations would have been very strenuous physically, right? There were seasons where you got to work, you stayed up late, you got calluses on your hands, you were sore the next morning. That was part of kind of the vocations. But this principle applies across all things. And that that work that is going to lead to flourishing in our community 
It's got to translate desire and talk into outcomes through hard and persevering work. Think about a friend of mine, you know, many of you know Jonathan Saltelli, general manager at Danville Industrial. And in uh, and, and his job, he works to really help, one, his employees flourish and have good paying jobs that they can provide for their families. But another part of that, he's setting up all the industries around us for success in their jobs. And so some of the hard work that has to happen is different kinds. There's a hard mental work where you've got to get on a whiteboard and set the direction of where you're going and who you've got to call and what you've got to do and where you want to go. But at some point, all those ideas, the whiteboard has to go down or the marker has to go down. And then you just got to enter the day-to-day toil of delivering goods and ordering goods over and over and over again, which can often feel like a grind. But without that, hard work, both mentally and physically, a lot of industries don't have the things they need to do their job, which means a lot of people wouldn't have the things they need, wouldn't have the jobs they need to do to work, to provide, and care for their families and serve in their community. And so you begin to see, again, what's happening here. What we're seeing in Proverbs is that work that leads to flourishing will have at its foundation a person who's willing to, to, to work hard and persevere in one direction. So pastor and author Zach Eswan describes it like this. He said, almost anything in life that truly matters will require you to do small, mostly overlooked things over a long period of time. How true is that when you think about your jobs, your family, your life? Mere talk versus strenuous effort. We see this tension in the Proverbs. And, and the beauty of these principles of how God wants us to work on the ground, they really apply to all spheres of life. And I want us to think about that for a minute. You've got these, you get this, this, this picture of intentional and skilled, skilled hard work. I want us to think about all the spheres of life we in. And so you'll see those up on the screen. One of those is vocations, right? We're talking about this. So whether in medicine or cleaning or serving food or changing diapers or washing clothes, they're all obviously connected to these Proverbs, right? God is calling us to do whatever these things are with an intentionality and skill that are critical to the flourishing of the people that God's put around us. They really are. And what I... What I want you to, if you come in this morning and you see this intentionality and skill and the work you do, whatever it is, no matter if it seems meaningful to you tonight, I want you to be affirmed from the Proverbs. Not that you have good work ethic, but that you're living in line with the very way God designed you to live. It's not just a good work ethic, as if that's a value out there. God is saying, this is how I'm calling you to, and this is what will bring flourishing to those around you. So be affirmed in what you're doing. It's beautiful. But we can think about relationally as well. We can apply these principles to those fear of relationships. So relationships take work. And many times they're not going to thrive unless we bring a certain skill or intentionality or willingness to work hard over a long period of time. I mean, you can think of relationships much like a field that you're going to have weeds grow up in them. If you turn your head one way overnight, it seems like that field of that relationship is overtaken by weeds and things that are difficult, that require constant pruning right? And so to talk about the need to deepen your friendships or relationships isn't enough. Endless talk won't bring depth in relationships. We see these principles play out there as well. I mean, you may come in this morning and you have talked for a long time about how you need more face-to-face time with your friends or more face-to-face time with the spouse or your children. But there's a different thing than analyzing and identifying the issue 
than actually the rolling up your sleeves and the difficult, hard choice and strenuous effort it takes to get that face-to-face time, right? There's a difference between those two things. That's the picture Proverbs wants to speak into that. But we know this spiritually as well. We're saved by God's grace, and we grow by God's grace. But you got to understand, there's a distinction, there's a difference. When we're saved, it's solely by God's grace. When we grow, it's a cooperation between our effort and God's grace. It's not, not by His grace, but it is also by our effort when we grow spiritually. And there's a distinction between those two. So we can mere talk about theology and talk about who God is. It's very different than waking up a few minutes early to talk to Him to read what he has to say in his word, to repent of our sin. Real strenuous effort is required to move forward, intentionality, and there are skills that are to be learned in our relationship with God. And I, I want us to understand that these Proverbs, this goes back to the teachability part of the framework of Proverbs. These, these Proverbs are meant and they're spoken in such a way to get our attention and to move us to action. And what I, what I think happens, and this maybe this is generationally between different generations or just individuals, but I think when we look at what the proverb says about work, we're, it's in, we're to be intentional and skilled if we want to, and work hard if we want to bring flourishing to whatever area God's put us in. Well, I think we see that, and we immediately think about the places, the spheres we're doing it, and we use that to justify the spheres we're not doing it. And the proverb speaks to all of life. And so we bring our relationships under its counsel. We bring our relationship with God under its counsel. We bring our vocation to the counsel. And we say, God, would you speak to wherever it is that you want to see this intentional and skilled hard work at play? And so it moves us to ask questions that you'll see on the screen, like, do you want to keep learning and growing and become more skilled? Whatever it is. In what spheres are you lacking intentionality? Where are you unwilling to roll up your sleeves and get to work? The Proverbs want you to think about that this morning and to sit all areas of your life under its counsel and in its pathway. But this leads us to ask the question, then, what will drive this kind of work that will lead to flourishing? Because I'm going to be honest with you. There, uh, there, when I see this vision for work in Proverbs, part of me gets really excited. But honestly, I'm at a stage in my life where part of it, I hang my head. Because I think about how tiring and weary I get in the day-to-day of work oftentimes. And I can think about how effort seems so futile. What does it matter? I can wake up and I just see, okay, there's just more things to do over and over and over again. Do you feel that way? You ever feel like those things are just tiresome and, and strenuous to the point of there's never an end? The Proverbs wants to speak to that as well. And this is why the why, by God's design on how we should work, it matters. A general work ethic, great thing. But if that's all there is, and you disconnect that general work ethic from the bigger picture of what the Bible wants to communicate, it's going to be lacking. And so I want to give you a couple ways that in which that if we, if we grasp these things, they will drive a healthy work ethic that Proverbs is telling us about. And one of those is connection to God. And I want to think about that in a couple ways. But one of the connection is the type of work, the, this type of work reflects God's work. And so uh, the Bible tells us and communicates to us in Genesis 1 and 2 and in a lot of Psalms, but particularly Psalm 104, which was when your Proverbs got this week, that God is always engaged in intentional and skilled hard work. And why? Why does God engage in intentional and skilled hard work? 
Why does the Proverbs, why does Genesis 1 and 2 speak of him as a worker who didn't just speak all things immediately into existence but worked to create a garden for people? Why? So that we could flourish. It's the very reason why he did it. Tim and Kathy Keller in their commentary in Proverbs says this, but the deeper background behind work in Proverbs is the book of Genesis where we see God with his hands in the dust creating a paradise for human beings in which work itself is one of the good things. God is happy in his work, and we are made in his image. So no wonder there is nothing more humanizing than good work, and no wonder God rewards it. God, when he created the world, created a world that where you and I could flourish. But he didn't just set it into motion. He's ongoing at work, and he employs his humanity to even help the flourishing of this world through their work. And so we partner with God in it. We image him. And so your intentional and skilled hard work is the pathway in which God really brings flourishing to the people around you. That's his design. He wants to bless the world, and he says, I want to do it through your intentional and skilled hard work. And so when we begin to make that connection, when we begin to go back to see when we're struggling with diligence or energy or whatever it is, when we go back and we think about all that God is doing all around us. I mean, just think about it. The work that God is doing to make the sunrise every single day, and how many of us recognize it? How many of humanity thinks about all the things he does in order for you and I to breathe and flourish on this earth? And he does it in thankless ways all day long every day. And when we begin to get connected to God who is doing that, we begin to see, oh my, my work really matters. It's part of the flourishing of those God's placed around me. And we can take joy and delight in that. And so what drives this kind of work? Understanding that God does kind of this, this kind of work. But there's another aspect of connection I want to speak of here, and it's the type of work where God must be at the center. And you'll see this on the screen as well. Remember, we've said all along that this pathway is to be centered on God as our King and Father. And if joyful awe isn't driving us, we're either not going to understand this pathway or we're going to struggle to live in light of it. And this really plays out really clearly in work is there are many things that can drive a hard work ethic. Many things that can drive it. But if those things are not our king and father, they will ultimately find themselves lacking. And so on the screen, you see a picture of a throne, which is a picture of our hearts and what's central in it, right? So approval can drive a pretty strong work ethic at times. I really want those around me to be pleased by who I am and what I do. I want their praise. Money can drive a good work ethic. I want stuff and security that money can bring, and I'm going to work hard for it. Status is something that can drive our work. I want to be seen as the top performer. And those things can drive a hard work ethic, and at times can be very effective. But they're going to come a point where they're not so effective anymore. And ultimately, they're going to hijack God's vision for work. They enslave us and they rob us of the very joy God wants us to have of partnering with Him and working to bring flourishing to this world. So they look like they're going to be good things that drive us. And in the end, they hijack, hijack God's vision for work. And they enslave us and they rob us of the joy He actually wants us to have. We could spend a lot of time on this. I'm just going to mention a couple things. What happens right? When we don't get the approval in our job. What happens when the money doesn't come through or we get fired? What happens if we're not the top performer? Well, those kind of scenarios oftentimes lead to greater enslavement, overwork, or they lead to despair. 
or they lead to us getting angry. I mean, you, you name it. There's lots of different things. For me personally, I can be easily driven by, by effectiveness. If I don't, I, I want to work hard and I want to be effective in what I do. That's a healthy desire to want to be effective in whatever job we have. But here's what I found. If effectiveness in my perception of how effective I am is central in what drives my work ethic, what I've found in my life, it leaves me lacking. One, it can drive me to overwork and, and out of balanceness of how I understand work. But oftentimes I've seen it drive me to despair. Because if I don't perceive myself to be effective, then what's the point anymore of that intentional and skilled hard work? And so every one of these false gods are lacking. And so when something other than joyful awe of God is driving our work, it enslaves us and robs us. And the, one of the very things that Jesus came to rescue from is work. Not from doing it, but being enslaved by the wrong things to drive our work. <laughs> work is the primary thing that each of us will do most of the days of our life. Jesus came to rescue you, to actually enjoy the work he's given you to do, not to be enslaved by robbed by another false god in that work. And so what drives this work? Understanding what's central. But then we also see here, briefly mentioned, God's rewards for this work can drive us. God is wooing us here to center our lives upon him. So what I love about the Proverbs is there are lots of warnings, but lots of rewards linked to the types of things that Proverbs is champion. And most of those are very on-the-ground kind of things. They're not ethereal, way-up-there kind of things. They're real grassroots gifts and blessings because of the things that God has wanted to champion. And they're not always true, but they're generally true. And why does God give these rewards? Because he wants to woo us and entice us. And so you, you'll see a, a list of some of these rewards on here. You see in Proverbs 10, 14, and 21, and warnings. We can have plenty of poverty or plenty of riches, profit, and abundance. Proverbs 13, 4, we can have cravings that go unfulfilled or we can be richly supplied. And in 22, 29, we can have obscurity or healthy praise from God and others. And these things aren't just monetary. That's what we think of when we think of poverty, but they're holistic in relationship. I mean, I've tasted poverty spiritually and relationally because I've been lazy in relationships before. But maybe you've also tasted the richness of relationships when you roll up your sleeves in them. These things are very broad. I mean, you think about those examples mentioned earlier, Jonathan and Jennifer and Bruce. If, if they're not diligent in their work, the people in the courtroom, in their workplace, they're going to experience a certain kind of poverty in their workplace. Maybe that poverty is their company tanks and they lose their job. Maybe that poverty is they just hate going there because the culture sucks. Maybe that poverty is they have no sense of purpose. But a lot of those can be traced back by the diligence of the ones that oversee them. This is the beauty of this. God is wanting us to connect our intentional and skilled hard work to the everyday things in life. And he's wooing us and enticing us by those things. Does it mean that the, the vertical dimension doesn't matter? It means that God is blessing all the horizontal efforts because he delights when we do work like him. And so what's happening here is our king and father is pleading with us and is saying to us, join us in his work. Take part in his joy in working to the flourishing of others by engaging whatever we do with intentionality, with skill, with effort. So where do we go from here? What does it look like for us to walk away from today? I want to mention to you 
three specific applications. And one is, is it's right and good for us to take an inventory, to think about the spheres of our life and take an inventory. That's what the Proverbs calls us to do. That's why God put us, puts them in there for us. And so in what sphere do you show this type of work? In what sphere are you struggling to apply this vision for work? Where do you crave change but seem to have poverty? Proverbs wants to speak into that. I think you and I should expect correction. And what's beautiful is that we come before God this morning, and He doesn't accept us and invite us in because of our grand work ethics. He doesn't accept us and invite us in because of how we performed this past week. We can actually come to Him and be honest before Him and be introspective appropriately in our life because Jesus came and we rest in His righteousness alone. So you and I can actually evaluate our work ethic and relationships before God and others and in our vocations. We can be honest before Him because He came to purchase us, to bring us out of our slavery, and to bring us in to this joy of working with Him. And so that's the first thing I would encourage you to do walking away this morning. The second thing would be this, is that remember your work is not unseen. That God sees and delights in our intentional and skilled hard work. I think this is big. And the, the Proverbs spoke to, you see a man skillful in his work, he will not serve before obscure men. And there's something true about the fact that when we're skilled and craftsmen, that others will recognize it. But I want to draw you even out of that horizontal plane to something even bigger and grander, is that God sees it. And he delights in it. You and I, in careers we may serve in, might be obscure before men, but they're not obscure before God. You know, in our, in our culture, service jobs aren't highly praised, but they are in the eyes of God. He knows what it is to feed and cleanse the planet every day without anyone's recognition, and He delights in it. And so He sees and delights in us who engage in those service-type roles. You know, grading papers, creating spreadsheets, changing diapers, wiping noses, washing clothes. I don't think any one of us would say, that's a glamorous thing I want to do with my life. But God sees when we do those things intentionally and with skill and with effort for the flourishing of others. He delights in that. He sees it. With a smile on his face, he's joining us in that work to bring flourishing to those God's placed around us. And so it's right for us when we walk away to the Proverbs to make that connection. And then finally is to be amazed at God's work in this world for your flourishing. This week, probably the most encouraging day for me in the Proverbs study guide was day three in the psalm because it just hit me. Each and every day I wake up and I just sprint to whatever I'm supposed to do and I rarely pause to see all that God has around me. And I was really struck by how powerful it is just to slow down and recognize that when I see the sunset or see it uh, go down, when I take a deep breath, when I taste something good in the morning, when I drink my cup of coffee, God has been working overnight, day after day, year after year, century after century, so that I could experience those small moments of flourishing. And He does this day in, day out for you and I to enjoy the worlds He'd given us. And there's something powerful about us pausing and slowing and looking and seeing that our God, our King, he is working each and every day to bring us flourishing. And what he's asking us in the Proverbs is to join us in that work. Will it be difficult? Yes. But does our intentionality, 
our skill, our effort. It reflects Him and it brings flourishing to this world. Let's pray. Father, it does seem a little strange to talk about something in a worship service that's so practical to our everyday lives, our relationships, our work where you find us. But in reality, that's the kind of God you are. You are God who's really practical. You're God who really cares about what we spend most of our days doing. And you want us to delight in it just like you do. And you want us to join you in the very things that you're doing. You long for this world to flourish and you've given so many tools and one of those tools is us and our, and our relationships and our vocations. And Father, so I pray that you would give us insight to where we are in our lives. You would give us insight and affirm us where we see this kind of work that you're doing. That you would call us to repentance where we don't see that. But God, help us to walk away this morning knowing that your eyes are on us and that you delight in us, not because of who we are, but because of what Christ has done for us. And help us to know what it is to take joy from that gospel that you've saved us with, but then the joy of joining you each and every day in the work you call us to do. Amen.